This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. This morning, the Ontario government announced that the Honourable Justice Eileen Galise will lead the public inquiry into long-term care. CARP and other community organizations have been calling for the inquiry following the case of serial killer nurse Elizabeth Wetlofer, who murdered eight patients under her care. And while I gather that Justice Galise will have broad discretion in determining the scope of the inquiry, the announcement says that she, and I quote, has been asked to inquire into the circumstances and systemic failures which may have contributed to the assault and death of residents who are under her care, and to make sure a tragedy like this never happens again. Now, Is the focus on Elizabeth Wetlofer the right way to go? I know that we have heard from many of our listeners about concerns they have because they have loved ones in long-term care. I'm sure everybody here remembers the case of James Acker. He was beaten by another resident and ended up uh, dying as a result of that beating. And and, uh, the thing is that... A case like Elizabeth Wetlofer's is very unusual, thank goodness. However, uh, people are going into long-term care when they are older and sicker and more of them have dementia. So something like resident-on-resident violence is unfortunately not that unusual and is something uh, that might increase unless... uh, the system figures out a way to stop it. So uh, right now, I am on the line with Wanda Morris, CARP's VP of Advocacy. Hi, Wanda. Hey there, Livy. So what's your reaction to this? Actually, I'm, I'm really pleased with, with what uh, the Liberals have announced. I'm, I'm pleased with how, how quickly they were able to bring something out. I think the credentials for Commissioner Galise are, are very strong. And I'm also pleased with the scope of the inquiry. The, uh, the circumstances of wet law are absolutely, I mean, that's what we had demanded in our call for inquiry. But to also look at the systemic issues, I think, is, is critical because that opens the door to looking at things like staffing or funding, which we may find were actually at the root cause of why it took so long for Wetlawfer to be stopped. Uh, yeah, but but it all seems to revolve around Wetlawfer as opposed to these larger issues. I mean, uh, of course, we remember the case of James Acker, and that is something that's not, unfortunately, not that unusual. Uh, you know, and fair enough. However, I suspect that the, the same systemic issues that enabled Wetlawfer to get away with her uh, crimes are the ones that are also contributing to the resident-on-resident aggression, such as we've seen with uh, James Acker. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's an, that's an interesting take on it. Uh, it's a, a long inquiry. We aren't going to get any of these answers anytime soon. It's uh, slated to run for two years. 
It is. And, you know, in calling for an inquiry, one of the dilemmas that we had is, you know, do we want, you know, a truly broad scope or do we want something where we actually have some actions in a reasonable period of time? The, the government has chosen this scope and, and this two-year period. I think those are fairly evenly matched. And, uh, you know, who knows, we may need to do more once this is done. But I think this will certainly identify some of the most egregious issues in long-term care. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any thought to how much money it will take to fix those things? Uh, you know, I haven't seen uh, a dollar figures banding around. Uh, I, but uh, certainly, I think when we, we look at uh, how individuals have contributed over their lifetimes and their right to, to live their days, it's peace and dignity that the dollars are immaterial in comparison. Okay, uh, Wanda, let me give the numbers out again, because uh, I know that this is something uh, that our audience cares really passionately about, and I'd like to hear from them uh, about what they want to see from this inquiry from uh, Justice Eileen Galise. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, one 1- 866-744-740. I am on the line with Wanda Morris, and we're talking about the public inquiry into long-term care. Uh, I am wondering if the scope is broad enough. It seems to all revolve around Elizabeth Wetlawfer, but uh, there seem to be a lot of other issues, notably with staffing, and uh, also with training, uh, Wanda, what about, um, you know, there are some people who say that really there have to be tougher standards for uh, personal uh, service workers. They're most of the people who are on the floor dealing with residents. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that. You know, these people are in some of the most trusted positions uh, in you know, undertaking intimate tasks with vulnerable people. We need uh, a better system of making sure that they have not only the appropriate training, but the appropriate credentials. It's, it's not enough to just have a, you know, a few weekends of training and a criminal record check. There are, for example, right and wrong ways to list somebody, and, and somebody that's, that's listed incorrectly can suffer significant pain. Uh, I, I think this is, this is a critical area, and, uh, and hopefully we will see some recommendations for, for more uh, higher standards for making sure that, I mean, there's some great personal support workers out there, but everyone should be at that level. Well, yes, there are uh, many great personal support workers, but, but some uh, not so great, and there's also an issue of violence. I mean, we've seen cases of violence uh, from some personal support workers. Uh, that's a criminal thing, obviously. But if, if someone has dementia and they're aggressive, it can be very difficult to get the job done. And, and one of the other issues with personal support workers, they're not paid a lot of money. And, and I think that's wrong. You know, when we look at, at how much personal support workers do and the, the burden that's on them, I think we should pay them, and I think we should pay them additional amounts when they do undertake the training and education to, to get better at their roles. Uh, and when we talk about dementia patients, I think you know, one of the significant issues is that training because what people that uh, have, have taken the training and, and work with dementia patients know is that often what comes across as aggression is an unmet need. 
And so if they're better able to communicate and to predict and to understand, you know, for example, that someone who is repeatedly taking off their clothes is simply trying to ask to be toileted, uh, then we get away from you know, a, an escalating aggression between a, a patient and a personal support worker and instead uh, treat the, the patient's needs. Okay, uh, Wanda, let's take a call from Kim in Aurelia. Hi, Kim. Hello there. I have worked in the fields off and on for the last six years, and one of my really big beefs is there's not enough staff mm-hmm. on the floor. Like the, I work at a place now, but I'm working for a family looking after one of their patients at the nursing home and walking her dog. And I'm get, my big beef is that there's not enough people on the floor. You usually have one person on meds, one person on the floor, and then you have agencies coming in to help, but it doesn't seem to help a lot. They need to have more than, like, two people that work there on the floor. I I think that's one of the things that will be looked at. And then this is, I think, another issue that highlights kind of inequality because some families, if they can afford to hire somebody extra to go into a long-term care home where there is already staff to look after their loved one, I mean, that's obviously a big benefit. Yes, that's what I do. That's what you do, and and yeah. I I would imagine that's uh, that's probably an easier job to manage than actually being one of the two people on the floor. Well, I've been asked to work at the facility that I work at, and I worked shift work for thirty three years, and I'm retired, and that's why I took this job because you know it's a little easier, and it's kind of like I can do certain things with my client that they can do too, but I can save them a bit of time so they can be with somebody else. But I don't like to jeopardize myself. Okay, yes. Uh, Wanda, do you have any comment on that? I, I do, Libby, because I think what you're pointing out is, is one of the fundamental flaws that we have is that we're staffing too low, and then some people are bringing in their own resources because they just recognize their, their loved one isn't getting enough care. And overall, I think the spending is far greater than if we just staffed at reasonable levels. Um, I will also say that the the uh, environment in long-term care um, residences has changed. Now we know that 90% or more have some sort of cognitive impairment, and the staffing that was put in place uh, reflects a very different environment and just isn't cutting it today. Uh, Kim, did you get any kind of specialized training in dealing with dementia? Yeah, I took my PSW course, and I also have a DSW, Developmental Service Worker. Right. Which is with the intellectually handicapped, they call it now. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, do, you, do, you, were, do all of your colleagues have the same kind of training, and is it enough? I'm not sure at all, because I was at three nursing homes. I worked at for three. Then one, I didn't make my probation in time, so they let me go. Another one, I wasn't fast enough on the floor, so they let me go. And another one, I was too friendly to the clients, and they let me go. <laughs> what does that mean? Like you can't talk, you're supposed to go in, do your job, not talk to them and whatever. You can't develop a rapport with them. Well, it's pretty hard when they're, some of them, I'm the only one that they see in a day and you can't, you know, just walk right by and not say hello, how's your day or anything. And do you think that was because of uh, they they just wanted, uh, you know, there weren't enough staff and they just wanted you to get the job done as opposed to? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And um, they don't want you to get too close to the resident because if something happens to them, then, you know, you don't feel bad about it. But I'm sorry, but I have a big heart. And I love this. Like, I work with this one lady, but I've gotten to know a lot of the residents in the home that I'm at. 
And you can't just go by and not say, hello, how's your day going? Because as I say, you're the only one they see in a day, and they're glad to see me. And I'm just coming back off holidays, and a lot of them didn't want me to go on holidays because they'd miss me. Yeah, so, I can certainly yeah. see that. Kim, thanks yeah. so much for your call. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. Uh, Wanda, uh, do you think that's an issue, that there's not enough kind of personal touch contact? Uh, I think in some care homes, absolutely. I, I know, uh, Libby, there are some, some fabulous residences out there, but for some, they are, are operating as, a, as profit makers, is, is what we hear. Uh, staffing is, is light to start with. When somebody goes off sick, that position isn't replaced. The staff themselves are feeling heart sick. The residents are, are barely getting care. You know, I can see that, uh, I know, a manager in one of those may be reprimanding their staff for doing anything other than the most critical of functions. But I think we can agree that that's not anywhere we'd want to see a loved one of ours. Okay. Uh, Wanda, we're going to take a break in a minute. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Uh, just, Libby, thanks for profiling this really important issue. Really appreciate the attention you've been giving it. Okay. Bye-bye, Wanda. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the province's public inquiry into long-term care. Just this morning, the government announced they've appointed a Judge Eileen Galise to head it up. And uh, it's going to have, uh, it looks like, uh, a fairly broad scope, but it all seems to revolve around Elizabeth Wetlaufer. Uh, so right now, uh, we are going to get your, to your calls in a moment. But right now, let's go to Teresa Armstrong, who is the NDB critic for Home and Long-Term Care and Seniors Affairs. Teresa, hello. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, so uh, what is your reaction to this inquiry? Um, Well, you know, I think the public has expected that the government would act on this heinous uh, situation that happened with the wet lawfare case. And, um, you know, we know that there's an ongoing crisis for seniors in long-term care. Um, Loved ones deserve the care and they deserve the protection and safety and health and dignity when they're in long-term care. And I think that trust was broken uh, when we heard about the murders that happened under Wetlawfer. And so it makes sense. Everyone's expecting that the uh, public inquiry is calling for an examination and an investigation into the Wetlawfer case. We all agree on that, and we think that the families deserve to have those answers um, and make sure that, you know, that they understand how this happened. And the public wants to know how this happened. So absolutely, uh, you know, we're glad this government has uh, called for the public inquiry into that. But I think everyone was expecting those things to happen. But where I think we need to look at it, at this is a, a more opportunity to look at the systemic problems that have been plaguing long-term care. And we've heard, you know, from our stakeholders and seniors and health advocates that, um, there needs to be a broader-based public inquiry um, investigation and analysis into long-term care, and this is our opportunity to do that. Um, so, yes, absolutely, um, we need to have that happen, but we also need to look um, beyond the problems that have uh, been happening uh, with long-term care into the quality of care, and that's what we've been saying that this government needs to address, 
And if they don't take this opportunity to do this, they really have um, not done their due diligence and really have failed seniors and families in not addressing the, the plaguing, the, what plagues long-term care. And we talk about this all the time. It's come up. Uh, safety of the residents and staff, the quality of care for minimum standards of direct daily care, funding levels, staffing levels, like those are those are things that we know are problematic, and this is our opportunity now to analyze and examine them in a way to, so that we can make changes in long-term care. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, hear from a few of our listeners. I'm sure they have questions for you, Teresa. Let's go to Morella in Bolton. Okay. Hi, Morella. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Uh, um, I'm great, thanks. Well, uh, yeah, I'm talking about the long-term care here. Um, that's one of the reasons why um, I didn't put my father into the long-term care. I took care of him for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's all this paranoia thing going on with these nurses. And I believe, you know, they should be tested once a year. Uh, the stress test and... Um, see how they're functioning you can't just hire someone and um, you know by a criminal record or a resume and that it's not enough it's just very scary to who you're hiring people are hiring uh yeah clearly it is um so you took care of your father rather than put him in a nursing home exactly i took care of him for 12 years yep and you know i was so happy about that and he, he died now four years ago, but I'm really happy that I did that, you know, because I know he died happy. Okay, Marilla, thanks for your call. I just want to say one more thing. Uh, we've got a lot of callers waiting. Thanks so much for your call. Let's go to Alma in Kitchener. Hi, Alma. Hi, how are you today? Fine, how are you? Oh, fine, thank you. I always listen to your radio. Thank program. you. Yeah, the reason I'm saying, you know what? The system is broken down everywhere, in nursing home, in group homes, everywhere. I worked for 17 years. I was good staff, but part-timers. I could never get a full-time job. I applied for a full-time job, but they would use me throughout the agency everywhere just as a part-timer, but use me as a full-time, not to give benefit pension plan, so that way they can save money and the uh, staff were abusing the clientele everywhere. Just a minute. What do you what do you mean, staff abusing the clients? You know, I mean, when there's only one or two full time staff, and the rest are all part timers on the cold basis through the agency. Uh, and so, you think that contributes to abuse? Of course, yes. I mean, guess yourself. If there's just two full time staff Monday to Friday and weekends, they are all part timers. What will be the situation? Okay, Alma, thanks. I'm going to let uh, Teresa respond to that. Teresa, a quick response, though, please. I think Alma points out um, the problems with staffing, and when you don't have continuity of care and people coming, you know, regularly to look after someone, then that creates a lot of stress. And we know that workers, there aren't, workers talk about, um, they do the best they can, they're running off their feet to help to deliver the care. And I've heard from families say the same thing about workers. Um, that there's not enough workers, there's not enough hours that the, uh, their uh, loved ones get care, and not having staff, uh, you know, stay on a continuity basis, come over, you know, deal with the same um, residents. Again, they develop these relationships, they know the person, they can deliver that care. I think that 
can contribute to the quality of care. And this is why that phase two would be very important, talking about staffing levels and okay. staffing practices and funding levels and that kind of thing as well. Okay, let's uh, try to get a couple more uh, calls in. We've got uh, Jean in Palmerston. Hi, Jean. Hi there, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. Go ahead. Um, I have many, I agree with everything that's been said so far. I worked in a crescent care home. Oh, wow, yeah. When I worked there, when we started putting people to bed after supper, we had five minutes. We figured out one night we had five minutes per resident to get them into bed. Most of them had mobility issues, and that gave us no time, and that was to get us to to our 11 o'clock end of shift. No time to go back and do wet checks on people who'd been in bed. So when they talk about isolation and lack of care, um, nursing homes in Ontario do not pay frequently at, on own a grid if they're private, privately run. They do not have benefits for the nurses. So the reason that a nurse like Miss Wetlaufer can get a job is because they're desperate for staff. So they maybe overlook um, something that's been reported on her record before. Um, if they the, even know the, about it. I mean, we found out that uh, right. that s- certain things were expunged from, from her record after a certain right. amount of time. Yes, if it, and, it had been and, long enough, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so so it, that's part of the inquiry is if and they I, even you, knew. The focus shouldn't be on, on her. Uh, she was an unfortunate woman with some psychiatric problems. It's amazing that they got missed or looked over for that long, but I know how desperate these institutions are to get staff. And the government looks at, needs to look at the funding equality. It needs to be equal for everybody. There are homes in, in Ontario that are funded at a county level at the tune of like $7 million extra dollars a year, whereas the other homes are trying to make a profit, and they're both getting the same amount of funding from the government itself because they're only allowed to ask so much per room. That has to be looked at. And if you, you obviously would want your parents in one of, or loved one in one of those homes with the better funding, but the wait lists are five and seven years long. You're not going to get in there unless you put in before they ever need long-term care. That needs to be reviewed. There yep, needs to be equal I... access to every person who lives in Ontario. And the funding and the care provider providing needs to be adequate. The nurses and the care providers who work in there, they work hard and they are working in dangerous situations. They're being threatened by the residents. Because the residents, as you say, are isolated. They don't get enough contact. There's not enough time. We're always rushed. It's heartbreaking. I could only work there for a few months, and I just couldn't stand it anymore. But the people who work in long-term care, they deserve medals. And they're the people looking after our senior citizens who created this great country that we live in. Okay, Jean. uh, You've given us a lot to think about. Thank you for that. I'll just make a quick comment to that. Please. I think that um, we need to have a, a full public inquiry, and that would look to me like dealing with what the wet law for case has done when you look at oversight and accountability and um, what had happened those failings how we got there we need to know how do we get to that state that that happening but then you know getting a full picture means having the phase to contribute to how that could have happened and how things can change under the safety of residents and staff and quality of care and those minimum standards of daily care and funding levels and staff levels and staffing practices. Those things need to be part of the whole answer uh, when we're doing this public inquiry. Okay, yeah, it looks like there is absolutely a lot to talk about. Uh, Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.